0: are no, not alone. i'm gonna make
1: this place your home. news radio 840 whas good sunday morning bob sicola the louisville real estate show with you to the top of the hour thank you for joining us folks and with us we've got great questions but we also have great people with us we've got cora henderson now cora Happens to be the head honcho, or close to being the head honcho, over at Pitt & Frank Attorneys, LLC. You can reach Cora and her folks at 895-9900. Also here, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service, and also Team Bugout. They come in like a team, and they leave like a team because they get the job done quickly. And now, number nine years in a row, number one. Nine years in a row now. Congratulations. Yes, thank you very much. You can reach uh, Brad and his team at 844-411-TEAM. And if you're thinking of selling or buying, uh, listen, just give me a call. You can reach me on my cell phone, free, no obligation estimate. We can help you get out and sell that place if that's what you want. My direct cell, 502-376-5483 or go to BobSellsLouisville.com. Coming up a little later on, on today's show, common, a common heating hack. I'm telling you, let many of us do this, but it ends up wasting us more money than it saves, and Brad will have a hand in helping us uh, in explaining that. Also, a reminder that if you'd like to see a rebroadcast of today's show, it not only just hear it, but see it, go to LouisvilleAnswers.com. That's LouisvilleAnswers.com. All right, we'll start with Cora henderson Over at Pitt & Frank and Lee wrote in this question, Cora. It's an interesting problem. Lee has a rental property, many of our listeners may, and the renter just recently signed a lease option contract. So a lease option to buy contract. Lee says he went to an attorney and had the attorney draw up the contract. and He says it's all in one contract. He says now he's being told by a friend that it needs to be in two separate contracts one for the lease and one for the option to buy. He's wondering, did the attorney make a mistake and why should it be in two separate contracts? Can you illuminate? I
0: would be happy to illuminate. (laughs) Yes. Very brightly. Okay. So yes, great question. And first of all, I I commend Lee on going to an attorney and seeking legal advice on that legal document to be drafted. Uh So I can concur with the attorney that drafted it. We too drafted in one document. And here's why. I think oftentimes when you have related instances, in this case, the lease, and then the option to purchase, and you separate those into different documents, they aren't incorporated with one another. Now, there's a number of things Things that 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 can create inconsistencies um, and concerns for us, um, and of course, you know, what if can one stand alone by the other? I mean, there's just a lot of a, a questions I think surrounding doing different documents. I prefer, and I'm I'm a believer of having that embedded in one again because all the terms are there. There's no confusion. There's no missing documents. There's no room for misinterpretation. Uh, also, you know, just just to explain for the listeners here, the lease, of course, is just as it would be anytime you lease something, it's a rental agreement, but the option to purchase, it's usually for a fee called an option fee that they would have the right to purchase at a later date under certain terms that have already been agreed upon. So they would exercise that right, that option to purchase according to the terms of that agreement that is included in their rental agreement. That can be contrasted with what's called a lease purchase and Uh even a contract for deed, which are two totally separate uh, and distinct concepts. So I definitely want to clarify that for the listeners. But again, lease option, love having that in one solid document.
1: And the one thing to stay away from, I would suspect, is by drawing it up yourself if you're not an attorney.
0: Absolutely. And there's a number of other considerations. Do we need to run a title search on the property? Are we worried about, you know, taking a Property subject to any liens or encumbrances. Do we n- understand the obligations and the duties that we're binding ourselves to by signing that contract? Um, and also just kind of understanding, there's something else called equitable title, um, which is not legal title, but it's equitable t- uh, equitable title, and it can change the position of the party. So just lots of good room for mm-hmm. discussion. Why you would engage an attorney and not go at it alone? Don't no fall kidding. Into the trap of Googling forms. No kidding. That's hate.
1: that is a problem. You heard it here, and you probably already know this if you had to. Do- deal with it. A reminder for everybody, if you'd like to see what sellers are saying about us, actually some interviews we've done, go to louisvillesellerstalk.com. All right, we move over to Brad Lawler, Home Team Inspection. Sarah listens to us all the time. She sent us an email saying she owns a home with a federal Pacific panel in it. Mm -hmm. And she says she's planning on selling her home this year. Good for her. And she says she heard us talk about the panel problems, but she doesn't know what the cost is to replace the panel. So Brad, let's review for everybody who you go down to your wherever your electrical panel is, folks, and just take a look and see if the words Federal Pacific, or is it Stablock as well? If yeah, it's on, sta-
2: yeah. Well, Stablock is what they're called. I don't know that they're, Stablock is printed on the outside, but they would see Federal Pacific on the outside. But when you open it up, yeah. the telltale sign is that you see very bright orange stickers on the ends of each of the circuit breakers. And those breakers, rather than being turned in like they are in every other manufactured panel... When they're turned on, they are pointed to the outside of the panel with a Federal so,
1: Pacific panel. With the Federal the Pacific outside. panel, yeah, right. right? So you'll
2: see you'll see the the switches towards, yeah. going pointing to the outside, and they're bright orange uh, tips on them. Now the 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 challenge with Federal Pacific was they stopped making these in the late seventies. This is the last time that they sold them in the U.S. So most of these panels are going on. I mean, some of them are already over fifty years old. So they've gotten to the end of their usable lifespan. Uh, for a for a distribution panel, and the problem with Federal Pacific is the breakers don't necessarily trip uh, when they overheat. They just stay open, which then causes the heat to travel back up the wires in the home, so you get melted wires, you get scorching, you get overheating, and potentially there's a fire hazard. So, the Federal Pacific stopped selling these panels in the U.S. in the late 70s. Uh, they still sell them in the- Canada. Canada yeah they're different but they still sell them there you cannot get replacement parts for them so really the only option left is to go ahead and and replace a panel now you know I'm not an electrician so I don't know you know I don't replace the panels but what I've been told is you're probably looking at you know depending on the size of those panels you're probably looking at twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars in that range to replace them Um, you know any panel whether it's Federal Pacific or Zinsco or um, just any of the modern brands you know a 50 year span on those is a pretty good life. And you know, we do have to replace components like that in our homes. So Federal Pacific is something you definitely want to before you put a home on the market, have an electrician come in and evaluate it. It may be something that you want to go ahead, make that switch, let everybody know, hey, you've got a brand new, you know, square D panel now, um, in the uh in place of the the old one that has been there, and consider that, you know, an upgrade.
1: Did I hear that you can buy a rebuilt? Uh, Federal Pacific
2: Breaker, but they're like a hundred bucks or more. You can, yeah, yeah, you can find sources for them on the internet. I, it's not a great idea, but yeah. yes, they the parts are available out there.
0: And Bob, if I may, yes, about please. the Federal Pacific, I get yes. a lot of calls on this and oh. I would not only urge your caller, but other sellers that are looking to potentially list their home, have that fixed before you even list it. Because even if you are lucky enough to have a buyer that waives repairs or even inspections for that matter, um, if they're getting a loan, an appraiser is going to automatically pick that up as a safety issue and they're going to require that be corrected and replaced and repaired prior to that loan getting approved. So I see it happen all the time because it is a true Safety
1: issue. I did not know that an appraiser, other than doing the, you're sure that's not just like a VA or FHA appraiser, normal conventional home appraisers are going to look at the panels? Really,
0: I think typically you'll see that in some of the different type of loan products, understandably so, but um, really it's at that appraiser's discretion. I mean, if they are supposed to mark things for the lender as safety issues, in other words, you got to think the lenders, you know, using that as collateral for hundreds of thousands of dollars, if there's a risk of that home catching fire and that collateral going poof up in the air, they're going to want that mitigated prior to loaning that money. I mean, Brad, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we see a lot of, you know, we, we would, Typically, just let everyone know you need to have that panel evaluated by an electrician because, at, again, the house is fifty years old at that point, at least if not older. So you have, may have other circumstances that need to be addressed at the same time that panel is is being changed out. It may not just be simply changing the Federal Pacific panel. It may you're going to have to do the other other upgrades like you know installing the GFCI at the same time. So the, some of those things are going to cascade you know uh, along the way as those upgrades are done.
1: All right. You can read about our reviews. We're really very proud of our reviews. Go to louisvillezillow.com or louisvillegoogle.com. That's to read our louisvillezillow and louisvillegoogle.com reviews for the Socobra team. All right. Over to Coro for at uh, Pitt & Frank LLC. Uh, Andrea is a newer real estate agent. Well, congratulations, Andrea, for being in the new business here and here in the Louisville area. And she sent us an interesting question. Cora, this is uh, interesting. She said, and Brad, you're going to love this as well. She says in the multiple listing service in the agent notes section. So, folks, this is an area that is a, a visible only to agent notes, agents in the industry, that the seller can refuse up to two home inspectors. And Andrea says she hadn't seen that before. And she's saying, well, why is that there? And is that legal? Refuse up to two home inspectors. I know why, but Cora, from a legal de- answer, how would you define that? And I'll give you mine and sure. I will take I,
0: your- I would love to hear yours, Bob. Um, so, Andrea, congrats. So happy to have you in this industry. And and we need a lot of uh, good leaders, certainly, and good professionals. So happy to have you aboard. Now, um, in regards to the decline of, of, of two professionals there, I think that there are some um, experienced agents that have unfortunately suffered through some of those uh, inspections to where, um, to say it nicely, alarmist, right? And to basically saying the whole house needs to be torn down and rebuilt. Um, And so does that at that, um, moment that that inspection comes through, not only lose a potential purchaser, like they're likely to terminate on the advice of that inspector that says, hey, everything's wrong with this house, run. When in fact, you know, 99 other inspectors may disagree. But then does that create a stigma against that property moving forward because that inspection has been done? Does that create other sellers disclosure and misrepresentation liability um, if all of that isn't mitigated properly? And, and I can kind of go down a rabbit hole on that, but it sounds to me like somebody got burned. And it's probably that agent, again, just having that seasoned and experience and and maybe had a transaction where somebody got burned and saying, I'm not going to let that happen to one of my clients again. And as far as is it legal, I like that language a whole lot more than you shall not use or cannot use X, Y, Z. We don't want to name people. No, 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 no. But having the right to refuse up to two, I think we're probably in a much Uh safer area. So what do you think, Bob?
1: Yeah, there are two home inspectors in the area. Everybody, we've got great home inspectors, Mm -hmm. including home team. But there are two who, those of us who are seasoned agents, know that they cause problems. One of them who writes a report that you can't read and who once used his son to help him, and that created a problem, which I won't go into on the air. It is a, a family show. And the second issue with the second inspector is that he will, in many cases, we believe, go in and deliberately attack a home for no reason whatsoever, then walk up to the buyer and say, listen, this home is not worth buying, but if you use me again for your next home, I'll give you a discount on the purchase. We've got that documented. We know that that's happened. And so many of us seasoned agents just simply say, listen... We don't want to use them now. I haven't used that terminology. We can refuse up to two, but I'm really thinking we start should start doing that. Brad, thoughts?
2: Well, you know, I I don't want to pile on. It's a it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood out there. I will have to say, but. There's 150 licensed home inspectors in the market, so there's lots of choices. Right. Um, And I would definitely suggest that anybody talk to family members and other people who have gotten a great home inspection experience and get referrals from them. Now, as for an agent uh, rejecting a home inspector, you know, I hopefully I'm not one of the guys that's that's on anybody's list out there. You are not. but, I, you know, I also understand that it is a real matter of trust because, you know, home team, you know, we do more inspections than anyone else in this marketplace. But it's not just the inspections. For us, we want to get the buyer and all other parties to the closing table. That's really what we're what we're aiming for. And that's really what my team, that's that's what we're all about. So hopefully all of the home inspectors out there would believe that same thing. We're just trying to help be part of um, the process, not a stumbling block or an obstacle that has to be you know, either jumped over or gotten around. Got it.
1: We're gonna take a break when we come back. The common home heating hack that you may be doing right now but wastes more money than it saves. Yes, it is. Continuing with us, we've got Cora Henderson, who is one of the head folks over at Pitt & Frank LLC. You can reach the folks over there at 895-9900. Also, Brad Lawler, who is the owner of the Home Team Inspection Service. You can reach Brad and also for his Team Bug Out service for getting rid of pests. Um, 844-411-TEAM. And you can reach me. If you're thinking of selling your home this year, next year, or beyond, or thinking about buying I can help you with myself and my team. I'll come out free, no obligation, um, analysis and some come up with a plan that will help you get on the market and sold. You can reach me at 376-5483 or go to BobSellsLouisville.com. We are back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS.
2: Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, the area's largest home inspection company. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, inspect thousands of homes in Louisville and Southern Indiana each year. And team makes all the difference. Extra sets of eyes and overlapping duties means a more thorough inspection and better value for you. Multiple teams mean we're able to inspect your home when you need it. Radon testing, home inspection, termite reports, one call does it all get the team, get home team. Pitt and Frank has been serving your community for over 30 years in real estate closings and our title professionals educate the real estate industry both locally and throughout the state. Tell your loan officer and realtor to close with Pitt and Frank where we pride ourselves on being your trusted real estate closing expert. Pitt and Frank, signed, sealed and delivered at 502 895 9900 that's 502 502- 895
1: are you thinking of selling your home next year or in the years beyond wondering how to maximize your profits without breaking the bank on improvements well, look no further Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Sekoler, proud owner of the Sekoler team at REMAX Properties East. If you have questions about the value of your home and want to get the most money for it with minimal upgrades, I'm here to help. Call now at 502-376-5483 to schedule a free, no-obligation, in-person meeting. That's 502-376-5483 or go to BobSellsLouisville.com.
2: In today's real estate market, you want someone you can trust in the driver's seat. In Louisville, that's Bob and Greg Sokola. Bob and son Greg have helped thousands of families just like yours turn challenges into solutions. They can give you a guaranteed sale, of a custom marketing system to get your home sold on your timeline and for the most money. And they have an instant cash offer program. You deserve the best there is. Bob and Greg, go to WeSellLouisville.com. You'll be glad you did.
1: News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Secolor, the Louisville Real Estate Show. We're here with you till the top of the hour. Continuing with us, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service and Team Bugout. 844 411 Team is Brad's number. Also, Cora Henderson, who's one of the top folks over at Pitt and Frank Attorneys, LLC. You can pick the closing attorney that you want. Pitt and Frank is spectacular. You heard Barbara Corcoran just a few minutes ago, Shark Tank fame, and many other things. I understand she made an appearance on Saturday Night Live. Uh, this Not this last night, but the week before. So good for Barbara. Uh, she endorses us, and we consider her a mentor, and we thank her. You can reach me if you're thinking of selling uh, now or in the future or to buy. Uh, you can reach me for free, no-obligation analysis. That's Bob Sekoler at 502 or go to BobSellsLouisville.com. Well, this we could not believe this. Actually, this happened uh, to a client of mine a number of months ago where uh, she had closed off a couple of vents, and I contacted Brad. So the heat or air conditioning is on. You're not using some of the room, folks. Let's say there's some upstairs rooms. The kids have moved out. You close down the vents in the room, thinking, okay, I don't have to air condition those rooms anymore. But it can be a costly mistake. So, Brad, give us a one-line synopsis of why.
2: Well, the reason is is because the system is tuned to to move a specific amount of air and when you close those vents off and you close those rooms off you do not have the amount of air flowing back through the furnace so the furnace runs very inefficiently so you're actually probably causing it to cycle off and on more than uh, you need to if you had those vents and registers open in those other rooms
1: the report that we had also says that it can create duct pressure and the potential problems right. that also close vents constrain strain hva system components and then also cause the HVAC system, whether it's heat or air, to run more than it yes. would normally. And this is the concern I had. It can reduce air circulation, which could lead to mold growth in the ducts and maybe in the rooms where there's no air circulation.
2: Yeah, it's called the, the problem with air stagnation is what they refer to that as. Because the air just sits in the room. There's no way for it to leave. So yeah, if you've got moisture uh, in that area, it just stays. It, doesn't, it can't be conditioned by the, the mm. furnace or the air conditioning unit.
1: So remember that if you've got vents closed off. If you think you're doing yourself a favor, you may be hurting yourself and spending more money. So hopefully those are some tips you will take to heart. If you're trying to sell your home in the past and you had no offers, you're wondering what the heck happened. Maybe there you're thinking no buyers out there. Okay. I got a solution for you. I've got buyers. All you need to do is go to Bob That's Bob fill out the form and I will be right there. Uh, to communicate with you and get moving forward. Back to the questions. We're in our email version of our show. This is for Cora. Joel writes in that he had heard the past week that Jay Leno filed for conservatorship from his wife, Mavis. So Joel is saying, so what exactly is conservatorship, and should Joel look into it, and how does it compare to an estate plan or a will? This is a really good question, timely, especially with uh, my buddy Jay Leno, who had to do this with Mavis. Go ahead.
0: Yes, Joel, I sadly saw that news too. And they had been married quite a long time. And my understanding, again, I don't know them personally, Uh, like Bob may have intimate knowledge, but um, I think she has memory issues and maybe suffering Mm -hmm. uh, in that regard. And so the conservatorship, I would very much say is like a guardianship. I think conservatorship Probably if you are a people.com watcher, got a bad rap when you think of the whole Britney Spears and, and her dad, you know, getting conservatorship. But um, typically, at least here locally, we think of it as more of like a guardianship, whether it be somebody that has lost, um, you know, their memory, they're incapacitated for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Or certainly if they are deemed, you know, mentally or physically disabled and incapable of making decisions for themselves, whether that be due to their health decisions or incapable of making financial decisions, then a court would hear their case um, and decide whether or not this person who would like to be nominated for uh, to be conservative or guardian uh, over their loved one uh, will be approved by the judge, or if they need to get a guardian ad litem, some, you know, disinterested third party to make those determinations or even to serve on their behalf. Um, So, you know, are there ways to prevent that I think there is a place and a need for conservatorship and guardianship. And I would look, you would want to look to state law for those distinctions and, mm-hmm. and speak to a professional if that is something that you may be interested in. But just estate planning in general, other things that you can at least try to mitigate in advance of something rising to that level is a good general power of attorney. So oftentimes we'll worry about like what's going to happen when we die. Let's have a will in place. And while that is very important. And of course, trust can be an important vehicle for certain types of asset preservation and whatnot. Durable power of attorneys are when we're still alive, but we need someone else to step in and make decisions for us. Whether it's a convenience issue, they can be effective immediately, or they can be drawn up in a manner in which they're springing and they're not effective. That person doesn't have the right to step in until we're incapacitated mentally or otherwise. Let's say we're in the hospital in a coma or we are in a memory care unit. And so oftentimes these general power of attorney are very... um, Inexpensive to get done in advance. You do have to have capacity when you execute it, you know, nominating that other person. So you want again to do it in advance. It's a planning tool. But then once you need it, all you have to do is present that it's going to be broad and sweeping powers, financial, healthcare, you know, selling and buying real property, if properly drafted, all those areas will be touched.
1: And that's important. You mentioned you have to be have the capacity to sign. So don't wait till your loved ones don't have that capacity because then it's too late.
0: Absolutely. And the POA, of course, terminates at death, but it can be a useful tool um, until that time whenever those types of issues arise. But certainly the next step up, you know, depending on that situation, could Mm -hmm. be guardianship court. So we We, would want to look to state law and that fact pattern to determine if they would be good candidates for that.
1: A reminder, if you want to sign up for our newest newsletter, this week's topic is when should you consider a new home? Go to com. That's com. Brett Lawler, Home Team Inspection. Tim wrote us an email at uh, our email address, bob, at com. He said he's finishing his basement, and a friend of his said he should probably have his basement tested and retested, rather, for radon. Tim's wondering why he says it didn't have any dangerous radon levels when he first bought the home so why have it retested again radon colorless odorless gas second leading cause of lung cancer among smokers and the primary leading of cancer among uh, non-smokers so Brad do you retest
2: yeah. well uh, it depends on what he did to the house so uh, just the just refinishing a basement he may not need to but the radon levels inside a home are going to fluctuate throughout the year. You know when it's you know, winter time and wetter weather, they tend to be a little bit more elevated. I've got a continuous monitor in my house, so I can see what trends are over the last several years, and they're always a little bit higher in the in the winter. But if you make significant modifications of the house that tightens it up, say you put in new doors, you put in new windows, you re-insulate it, and you make the house tighter or you put in a new HVAC system, all of those would be causes to retest the radon levels to make sure that tightening the house didn't raise the the levels of the radon inside the house because radon comes up through the cracks and crevices. It comes up through basement floors. It comes up through, you know, the slab, through crawl spaces, and anything that oftentimes it will just, you know, percolate out of windows, leaky windows, the same way that it comes up through the floor. But once you put in well-crafted, well-insulated windows, you may be bottling up that radon inside the house. And the only way to remove it is through a mechanical system that actually you know, basically sucks the radon out from under the slab and puts it out above the uh, the line of the gutters. One caveat in addition to the cracks and crevices that it comes up through, it's also the sump pump
1: system mm-hmm. that it comes yep. up through. So keep yep. an eye out. There's wow. a reason I you hadn't might want that.
0: to that. That's oh, yeah. a good tip. That comes through, wow. yeah,
2: we'll come around those crocs very, very easily because they're not and, sealed up.
0: And then what about if it's a walkout basement? Is that better than let's say, you know, a non-walkout as far as yeah. radon goes?
2: So the crazy thing about it is you can live in a house with a walkout and then your neighbor has a house with a walkout. You've got an elevated level of radon. Your neighbor does not. So we have found we have found elevated levels of radon in every type of construction imaginable, including, crazy enough, a third floor condo that had a radon reading above thirty mm-hmm. uh, picocuries per liter. So very, very elevated. But it's the way what they call it stack effect. So it's the way that air moves throughout a house, and that's how the the condo is getting it because the uh, HVAC system was actually pumping it up into this third floor condo. Uh, so, yeah. you know, mitigation of that, I'll leave that to the the experts in that. I just do the testing and and evaluation there. But yeah, it can be found in all sorts of different uh, construction. You know, no one type is is preferable over another.
1: If you are thinking about selling your home, we have a free no-obligation booklet that has hundreds of useful tips. If you want a copy, it's free, no obligation. As I said, send me an email, bob, at Louisville.com and put selling tips in the subject line. And by the way, if you're thinking about selling your home, we also have Brad's Home Inspection, What to Expect booklet. Again, just send me an email, bob, at weselllouisville.com, and we'll go and help you. Back over to uh, Cora Hanna. This will be our last question, I think. Hannah recently moved into a new subdivision in Oldham County, is happy with her home. The only problem, she says, a neighbor, one of them is very noisy throws parties that go into the early morning hours. She's wondering, is there something legally and anonymously that Hannah can do to attempt to stop the parties from keeping her up at night? Cora?
0: Ooh, great question. And I love the OC, so shout out to Oldham County. Uh, <laughs> so a couple Things come to mind. The first one that jumps out to me is a legal concept called nuisance, which you know essentially makes me wonder if their neighbors' activities are interfering with their use and enjoyment of their own property. Mm. So, as far as like, how do we anonymously report that, or what are the next steps to kind of discover if there's a way to make this go away without knocking on their door saying, "Hey, you're a little too loud." So, uh, you know, certainly you can contact your local authorities, your local police, and everything, and and ask for that anonymity, and they'll probably say, "Well, do you want?" to file a reporter or do you not, but at least you can be aware of what your options are um, with that type of complaint. Uh, Secondly, you may want to look to your HOA restrictions. So if you're in a subdivision, there could be some restrictions on certain noise levels and um, could be if there's parking on the street, if they're having parties, and maybe there's something where the board or the HOA president could get involved, again, anonymously on behalf of the neighborhood in order to keep that uh, peaceful use and enjoyment to the property that you so uh, desire and want as a homeowner. Owner, right. No,
1: mm-hmm. it makes sense to me at least. I hope for them.
2: And then know. the last
0: option, of course, if it becomes really bad, you know, again, I don't think it's anonymously, but you can always seek legal counsel about a nuisance claim.
2: Ah, got it. So that's so that's a better option than going on one of those social media kind of apps and
0: Facebook. Put
2: everybody on blast <laughs> out there.
0: That would definitely Sorry. not be. I, I suppose you could have like a fake account, and you could be like, "Hey, do you know who lives at one two three Main Street? Tell them to shut up." <laughs>
1: It would not be anonymously. If, uh, by the way, you want to see some of the videos that we produce, and we we have a lot of videos that we're we're producing every week, uh, head over to louisvillehomestv.com. Again, I'll go slow on that one. louisvillehomestv.com. And take a look at what we've got out there. It's a lot of content. All right, we're out of time. My thanks to Cora Henderson, who is the head honcho of one of them at Pitt & Frank LLC. You can reach Hender, Cora Henderson and her group at 895-9900. Also, Brad Lawler, owner of Home Team Inspection Service. You can reach Brad at 844-411-TEAM for Home Team Inspection and for Team Bug Out. And if you're thinking of buying or selling a home now or... In the near future, we would love to help you. You can reach me for a free, no obligation estimate of what it's involved, what it takes to get your home sold, what it's worth. Go to BobSellsLouisville.com or just give me a call, 376-5483. We're at of time. See you next Sunday
2: at News Radio 840 WHAS.